welcome to the Senior Attorney Match Podcast. I am your host, attorney Jeremy Pook, founder of Senior Attorney Match. Here, we discuss how attorneys who have practiced for more than 30 years can monetize their law practices. We also explain how to value and how to sell a law practice and the logistics involved when transitioning a law practice to a successor lawyer or law firm. I'm very excited today to welcome Philip Stein. Philip Stein is the founder and leader of Philip Stein and Associates. And Philip, before you introduce yourself, just wanted to let the audience know, as we know, this podcast focuses on succession planning for lawyers in a global economy. Senior attorney match goes beyond the United States borders and where to turn to first for our first global session is the country in the world that has the most lawyers per capita. So for those listening, we'll just give you three to five seconds to think of what country is that. The country is the state of Israel. And Philip Stein started Philip Stein and Associates in Israel in 1979. Philip is not a lawyer, I'm sure very happy about that, and is an accomplished accountant. And Philip, please, uh, you could tell us an origin story about who you are, where you're originally from, and the growth of Philip Stein and Associates uh, over the past 40 years. Thank you, Jeremy. Uh, it's really nice to be on your podcast. We also have a podcast. So I'm happy to be on the uh, interviewee end of this great uh, technology. I've been here, as you mentioned, uh, over 40 years. We immigrated, or as they call in Israel, made Aliyah in 1979. I had previously been working in the U.S. for one of the what was called then the Big Eight accounting firms, and uh, which today what's left of it is called EY. And uh, moved here and started a one-man accounting practice trying to service U.S. citizens who had moved here and needed to file their U.S. tax returns. The firm has grown considerably. Today, we're uh, 45 people with several partners with offices in three locations throughout Israel. I'm still speaking to you from the home original office, which is in Jerusalem. We're right across the street from Intel. And... Uh, I would say that my practice has grown with the Israeli economy, with the economy that uh, I landed and came to know in, back in 79 is very, very different than what it is today. And I think if anyone visits Israel, they will see, and it, and it will lead into some of our later conversation and questions about the growth of legal practices here in Israel. And Philip, of course, you're very humble Reading from your biography, Philip Stein and Associates is the largest U.S. accounting firm in Israel. You hold an MBA from the University of Michigan, and you're originally from Chicago. So, of course, I have to ask you where you were on November 3rd, 2016, which in Israel was probably already November 4th, 2016. Well, it's probably one of the most unusual answers you could even imagine what I'm about to tell you. I was in China, and uh, I was on a, a family trip with four generations, my father-in-law, my wife, my daughter, and my grandson. We were in a small village outside of an area called Yangshuo, which is sort of in, in southwest China. And uh, with the time difference, it was morning. So I was actually listening to, and 
thank goodness for technology today, on my phone, I was listening to the seventh game of the World Series while walking through this picturesque Chinese village, which did irritate my wife. <laughs> but my answer to her was, this is history in the making. And it, w- it was really a very dramatic moment, and it was very exciting. And just add on that I was in this Chinese rural village sort of celebrating. I must be with full disclosure, I grew up on the south side of Chicago. I'm a, actually a White Sox fan, but I'm not a Cub hater. So for me, it was still a nice, uh, nice experience. Well, very good. From the Originally, myself from the Boston area, we uh, sympathize and empathize with uh, sports fans that longed for decades without a world championship in baseball. So returning to Philip Stein and Associates, and you've had the vantage point of watching as Israel's economy has significantly developed. Uh, Many refer to Israel as the startup nation. It's fascinating from the legal standpoint that in 1990, Israel had approximately 11,000 attorneys, And fast forward only 30 years, and the number of attorneys has absolutely proliferated to close to 54,000 attorneys and foreign law firms that um, that made their homes or created offices throughout Israel. Could you give us your perspective, Philip, about why that five-fold increase has happened over the last 30 years? Well, I'm not sure I... I know from the macro point of view, I do know one interesting fact, having worked with a former Supreme Court justice who told me that half of the people who get law degrees, and I don't know if that is in this statistic of being lawyers in Israel, do not end up being practicing law. And one of the reasons is that law is a bachelor's degree here in Israel. It's not, you don't have to do a bachelor's and then go to law school. You basically go right after the army. And if you pick uh, one of the universities or colleges, you can study law. But for my, let's call it micro perspective, I'll go back to somewhere after 1990, but well before 2020, to if you recall the dot-com era. That was before they had coined the phrase startup nation. And Israel really got into this. There were a lot of dot-coms, late 90s. And uh, as, you, as you recall, it sort of imploded in, and I think it was 2000, where the dot-com era came to a very quick end. But I recall working on a very significant transaction at that period of time with a U.S. multinational company. We were talking about billions of dollars. And it was amazing the lack of of experience and knowledge that existed in, let's say, 1999, 2000. People, just lawyers, particularly law firms, I was just didn't have the experience. They just didn't know how to work with the international scene, my area, the international tax scene, the high-tech scene. But then fast forward to what you say today, and there is so much talent here. And I think that talent, some of it has been homegrown, some of it has come, is immigrated here because suddenly Israel went through this transformation in the late 90s, early 2000s. And because of this startup nation, because of all the tech and all that goes with it, you needed a lot of legal talent to get these companies up, running, do their transactions, do their exits. And uh, we've seen a very significant growth in law in this country. 
And can we flip the coin and let's speak to your focus, of course, on accounting and what you've seen in transnational focusing on U.S. Israel, transnational businesses that have developed from the dot-com to post-dot-com to now the IT, biotech, anything tech, cyber that Israel is a world leader in and um, your perspective on where it is and where it's going? Well, I think it is. I can reflect of a client of mine who many years ago had a successful exit. And he said to me, he was a young man at the time. He was probably in his 30s. And he said, that's it. I'm just going to, uh, as Michael Jordan once said, after his first retirement, I'm just going to stay home and watch the grass grow. But what eventually happens that these people, and it happened to this fellow as well, They're not built for sitting at home. And what happens is that entrepreneurship, whether it's successful or whether it fails, there's a strong appetite to get into another startup or another business. And as people have had success, they've created so many other companies. And then if you're in the legal department, if you're in the finance department, if you're just in the research and people sort of meet their first meetings sometimes are are in school, then there are meetings in the army, and there's these networks that are created from working at places, which just is a synergy, which just creates new and new ideas. So whether it's biotech or IT, or certainly probably the most popular area right now that we hear a lot of startups is cyber. There's like no end to it. I even said, sometimes I speak to colleagues of mine, legal colleagues, and I say, is there no end to new ideas? And they say, no, people just keep coming up with them. Obviously, not all of them are successful, but they are able to raise money in many circumstances, which employs people, which provides services to the professionals in the area. So you just brought up, is there an end to new ideas? I'll, I'll share with you a very old idea, which is taxes. And as we know, there are only a few things in life that we can count on, which are taxes. So for listeners who are either already in the Israeli economy or thinking of investing in or representing clients that do business in Israel or via Israel, any particular tax tips that you can offer from the U.S. and Israel side of the equation? Very often the question is, how should we start? How should we set up? Should we start as an Israeli company? Should we start as a U.S. company? The original model was to start as a U.S. company. And that was in the early days because the investment community, the venture capital funds, weren't comfortable investing in an Israeli company. As time went on, it went the pendulum swung the other way. People were very comfortable investing in Israeli companies because Israel gave certain tax benefits. Now we're seeing, and this is perhaps what you would call my tip, is that now we see the pendulum swinging back that if you start as a U.S. company because of U.S. tax rules, there's a section in the Internal Revenue Code 1202 which allows for a entrepreneur, a founder, or an investor before a company reaches a $50 million value to actually be tax exempt the greater of $10 million or 10 times their investment 
if they hold the stock for five years. So that means that an investor can go into a company and maybe never pay any tax. It means that perhaps an Israeli entrepreneur who relocates to the U.S. at some point during the growth of the company doesn't have U.S. tax to worry about, just as their Israeli tax obligation. And, and, and that can be very attractive for people. Well, thank you. You made me think of my tax professor in law school who's talked about the three T's of taxes, timing, timing, and timing. <laughs> and uh, Section 1202 certainly is relevant and timely for, for very interesting tax planning. So, Philip, you've been practicing for over 40 years, only assuming that you represent business owners and individuals that are considering retirement, both among your business and individual clients in the U.S. and in Israel. How much planning are you doing on the retirement side? It's very exciting, of course, to hear the startup side, but I'm sure you also have clients that are thinking about retirement and the tax consequences, both U.S. and Israel side for retirement planning. Well, Jeremy, I think it's very interesting. The retirement planning particularly in your area, for attorneys. I actually had a meeting yesterday at uh, one of the three largest law firms in Israel. And uh, it's a client of mine for many years. He's probably a few years off from retirement. And we were talking about, one, how the law firms, if there's sort of a standard model. And he told me the opposite. He said, every firm has their own methodology for a partner that wishes to retire. He also mentioned that one of the large accounting firms, which he represents, has a mandatory retirement age 60. And in that model, those partners are paid out a pension for life. There's really a great deal of variances. I think that what's happening in Israel, what I see is that the and it's happening in the States as well, the baby boomer generation, sort of those people that went into the service businesses like accounting and law are in their 60s now or uh, approaching their 70s, and they are dealing with this for the first time. And perhaps the generation before didn't really come up with a sophisticated way of uh, transitioning and moving the next generation up and the older generation out. So I think it's it's sort of a fertile territory for someone like in your area to give guidance to firms because I don't see that there's any standard practices that exist. And even some of the practices exist, I think, are from the previous generation that don't really take into account uh, people's lifespans and the fact that 60 is very young to retire and that people still want to, you know, in terms of their professional abilities, they may be at the peak of their professional abilities at 60 and they'd still like to contribute. So they'd like to be, let's say, of counsel or they'd like to uh, have some type of compensatory arrangement just on the services they provide while still getting a pension. Thank you. And I was speaking with a colleague also last week who he told me he's currently 61 years old and is a very successful trial attorney in New York who told me that earlier in his career, he'd always thought, and now he's realizing it, that attorneys between ages 55 and 75 are actually at the peak of their careers. Mm -hmm. uh, and um, I speak about that regularly and, and compare them from a basketball standpoint I know he's not from Chicago, but LeBron James 
who most people around the world know as a top basketball player. Correct. Uh, senior attorneys, senior accountants that are in that range, 55 to 75, they are the equivalent of LeBron at the peak of LeBron's career. They know their subject matter, their reputation and ability to charge, of course, charge fairly, but can charge appropriately for their experience and their know-how and the goodwill that they have in the community. The question is, you know, what actually will they be able to do with monetizing the book of business that they've created? And if the U.S. could perhaps serve as a model for Israel, with accounting firms, there's been significant mergers over the last 10 to 15 years, and that's continuing to happen very often with you know, roll-ups of smaller accounting firms into larger accounting firms. That has started to happen in the legal field, where worldwide, we don't see that professional firms run by particular rainmakers, and yesteryear, we're passing those on to sons and daughters. Yes. And, and today, those sons and daughters are pursuing all kinds of other careers, which creates great opportunity for this next generation to look to senior attorneys, senior accountants as great ways to grow by acquisition. So, Phil, in wrapping up, if you could let us know who's an ideal client for Philip Stein and Associates. And you also mentioned your podcast at the beginning of this and um, love for the listeners to know what the name of the podcast is and where they can find it. Okay, so thank you for that question. So our practice does service individuals, but we also have a corporate tax practice, which deals with a lot of startups and, and those companies that are trying to enter the U.S. market or set up a U.S. subsidiary. I'd say on the individual side, we love to help people who have cross-border issues. We love to work with entrepreneurs that are moving to the U.S. or longtime Israelis or new immigrants who are coming here. There's a lot of advice we can give them, and, and there's a lot of value we can add to their decision-making. On the corporate side, startups in terms of how they should structure, should they start as a U.S. company, Israeli company, LLC, and things like that. And that's, you know, everything in between. We can help the entrepreneur. We can help their company. We can help their investors. And all of those people can, uh, you know, be part of it. Regarding my podcast, it's just a love that I had as a young age. I always wanted to have a radio show. So when this technology became available, uh, I started a podcast from the Midwest to the Middle East. It's actually not about taxes. Occasionally, I do have guests who talk about taxes, but mostly it's just about the Israeli economy and, and all the interesting things that are going on here, particularly with companies that are doing all kinds of amazing things. Well, wonderful. So Philip Stein, Philip Stein and Associates, and your podcast from the Midwest to the Middle East, and learning about the Cubs winning the World Series in China. Thank you so much for joining us today, Philip. I thank you and uh, look forward to hearing more about Attorney Match and the good work that you're doing. And, and uh, I think, as I said before, uh, I think there's a lot of opportunities here in Israel for the advice you give and, and the assistance you provide. Wonderful. Thanks so much. Thank you for listening to this episode of the Senior Attorney Match podcast. For more information, please visit SeniorAttorneyMatch.com. You can always reach me, Jeremy Pook, 
by calling me at 781-247-4211 or sending me a text message at 617-285-3325.